Welcome to Pivot Talks with PC. My name is Pauline Caballero, and we're talking change. It isn't coming. It's here. Well, hey, you guys, thank you so much for joining. Um, You know, this really is our kickoff series of Pivot Talks. And this eventually will be transitioning into a podcast, and we're going to be recording today's conversation for um, future listeners. We've had some requests where people weren't able to join us, so just know that that's what's happening here. And um, if you ask any questions that you want to be edited out, just know that you can do so. You can just chat Chesley or I. But I, first of all, just want to thank you all for joining. The intention of these conversations is to really talk about change. And that is fact, the fact is that it's not coming and it's here. And that's part of the new book that I'm releasing September 17th. And it's a book that I started well before COVID. And it just so happened that um, I may have manifested it all because here we are in this pandemic. And um, the thing that I wrote about was really just that change. It's something that I've experienced quite often, quite frequently. And it's something that I'm committed to actually. And I'll say, why it's so important for me that Chesley was the first individual that I spoke with is because he not only was the champion for change, but he, I would say, was the partner in crime uh, with me all throughout the Power Yoga Canada change back in March. And the irony of it all is Chesley and I haven't been in touch for many years, actually. We um, lost touch because he was off you know, traveling and, and building his organization. But when change was happening and we, when we were in the midst of chaos, he reached out. And I'm so glad he did because he has been a pillar for Power Yoga Canada and supporting us through all of our changes. And we pivoted quite a few times, actually, through COVID-19. And the, um, I'll say the secret sauce behind our learnings and our tools has been this man right here, Chesley Long. And so, Chesley, I'm so honored to have you here today. And I really just, first of all, acknowledge you for who you've been for me and who you've been for Power Yoga Canada and just who you continue to be. So thank you so much for joining us. Wow. I mean, what an introduction, Pauline. I'm, I've absolutely loved the, the reconnection and it just felt so timely. You guys are one of the first people I thought of with all these new tools that I've acquired from running my own business on the MindBody platform and, and being in these mastermind groups that, you know, uh, for those that are listening, I was certified um, through to teach. And I did teach for quite a few years at Power Yoga Canada. And it really blossomed my life into my own business. And Pauline, a very big stand for me in my life years ago. And uh, when the time came that the world has kind of been shaken, I immediately thought of them and all these tools that I have that I just wanted to give back. And reaching out to Pauline, it was you know, again, it was almost like we never even left each other's side and was just really, um, I don't even know what the term is. I'm not very, my vocab, but it just felt like perfect timing to, to connect and help them. And it's been their, their team of Jess and Nick have been great at taking on the information that I've given them and they're, you know, there's more changes to come. Awesome. Yeah. You know, Chesley, before we dive into like the logistics and like, you know, the, the nitty gritty around the business, I thought perhaps maybe you can share a little bit about your story through COVID-19, because I know when we first talked, we were talking quite frequently because you actually were in quarantine in Colombia, I believe, right? Yep. 
So uh, I live nomadically. I have for five years. Those of uh, that are on the call that are PYC people know that I took off in, in an RV and did that in Walmart parking lots for two and a half years. And then I've upgraded since then to live um, kind of in Columbia has been a big staple for me, but anywhere that has good internet, good connections to other nomadic people. And I was intended to be there for three months from December to the end of February and then Camp Yoga is in March in Florida and just about a week before I was about to cop on that flight, uh, this whole thing happened and I chose to stay in Columbia. It seemed like a good place to be at the time. We went into a complete lockdown. So I stayed an additional three months there where I was uh, not allowed outside of the building only to get groceries and you were ID'd uh, on the street by the police. And then after a while, a Nova Scotia summer called me home and to get home, the journey was long and I love adventure. And instead of being able to get a normal flight home, it was going to be over four days and three airports slept in. So I rented a van once I got to Florida from Columbia, drove five days from Florida, slept in the back of a van with an air mattress that I bought at Walmart, got to Bangor, Maine, where I had to leave the rental, I bring it to Canada. I had to hitchhike 200 kilometers from Bangor, Maine to um the border woodstock new brunswick walked across got another rental and then drove six hours home to nova scotia and i must say one of the best things i've done in my life is hitchhike pandemic and growing up in such a small village i'm from about a place of 200 people in nova scotia my dad brought me up that you always pitch up pick up hitchhikers and i didn't realize for my whole 36 years or i guess 20 years of driving, I have always picked up every hitchhiker I ever drove by and I've never hitchhiked myself. And hitchhiking for 200 kilometers was fantastic. Uh, and anyway, I made it home and had a really good time standing on the side of the road and listening to music and dancing and trying to get people to pick me up and everything from the middle finger uh, to some really quality rides. So I'm home and uh, I love the journey. Oh my God, I love it. Only you would have like such an adventure coming home during COVID and take it on. I love that. Yeah. You know, as you were kind of, I mean, I, I'll never forget, you were in the Walmart park, parking lot when I think we spoke. And um, I was sharing with you about Pivot, but, you know, your question was like, well, Pauline, what are you going to do to monetize Power Yoga Canada, the studio? So, you know, we had gone from having a bricks and mortar business like many people and then having to pivot and we ended up pivoting online and doing free yoga classes but you were the squeaky wheel that was like Pauline like you really have to look at what are we going to do to monetize it and so you know maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the ideas that you shared with us and that you've shared with your other clients about ways to monetize in a non-bricks and mortar environment because I know some um, states are still in that um, situation where they actually can't physically open their business. Yeah, and certainly, uh, you know, hindsight's certainly 2020, and being at this point and throwing out some of this information that I have, it might feel like I'm all knowledgeable. At the time of this initial breakdown, it wasn't like I had those tools. I'm very fortunate to be in a group of other certified consultants in the industry where we have mastermind meetings weekly, and there's a lot of other studio owners that are also consultants, and they range from Arizona to Saskatchewan and people in California that reopened and 
then had to close again. So a lot of the knowledge that I have is certainly uh, as a result of my network. And to answer your question, there's just a, a, a obvious shift happening and you now have to take on this opportunity of becoming virtual, uh, going online, which was in everybody's back pocket for quite a while. Everybody knew this was coming, this push for online live streaming, in-home workout, so much so that on the back end, MindBody even had it in their plans for 2021 to release this video um, live streaming service and this happened and they had to push it forward just as quickly as every studio is and there's just a lot of fumbling going on with all of this and i think one of the greatest tools people can do is take a step back and let somebody else make the mistakes um in front of you because there's just too many options whether it's zoom vimeo youtube mindbody live stream and you just have to take the time to see what's going to work best for you because there's no question you have to monetize it. How do you charge for it? What are you going to do when you open your schedule and you're at a third of the capacity and you still have to pay the same amount of rent? There's a lot. There's a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, we really saw, so with Power Yoga Canada, we ended up going the Zoom route um, and doing a, you know, a reduced rate for our digital membership. And, you know, for those of you listening that aren't in the studio business, what I want you to think about is this is a simple model that we've taken on, a membership-based model that's scalable for any type of domain. Um, so whether you're in, um, you know, the fitness industry or you're a photographer or, you know, what I'm really interested in, in making sure that, you know, the audience here has the listening for, you know, how could this potentially work for me in what I'm doing? And what I'm doing and what I'm not doing, because I'll say for Pario Canada coming out of COVID, what we really see is we now see that we have three verticals. Um, the first being bricks and mortar traditional vertical. The second being um, the online platform. And then the third being is what we're really interested in is how do we actually own our spaces? And so that's sort of the next domain that we're really looking at is the, you know, the real estate component. Is there an opportunity where we're not bound by these leases where you know we're at the mercy of what our landlord is and isn't doing, where we can be in control of our own destiny. And so, because right now what we're dealing with is we're dealing with limited capacity. So we can't even have full classes. So where we used to have 100 or you know, 50 people or 25 people, now we're reduced to that number due to social distancing and also due to um, just real fear. Quite frankly, we're dealing with a lot of fear and people not willing to necessarily come back into an interior environment, at least today. So, you know, what are your thoughts around like how can we monetize and still, you know, create these these viable studios, these viable businesses in a reduced capacity? For for what I've been seeing and the people that I've been coaching and consulting, the biggest a barrier to people's success business is looking at the numbers and I'm not above that my own business I actually am better at running other people's numbers for their business than I am ever analyzing my own and cares on this call and I'm glad her video is not on right now because she would be smirking because she works with me and she knows that about me however this is really forcing you to think about before you monetize or you know before you shift to monetize what's going on in front of you, run the numbers behind the scene to know what your costs are, to know what you have to price it as, because people are going to running out there right now, putting price tags on things that they haven't put the numbers behind. And 
even before COVID, I've consulted studios and run numbers for them where they got excited, booked, uh, you know, fitness industry can be a very low barrier to entry. They rented and put a lease on a space that if they actually did the numbers on when they sell out their max capacity of membership, there's still a break-even business. And, you know, some of what I'm seeing is, okay, you need to really look long-term. If any year, your prediction is when you get back to full capacity, nine months is when you're three quarters, six months is when you're a half. You can start to set goals on your numbers and your memberships based on that. And then realistically, if you are, you can run the numbers based on your lease and see, maybe I've, I've had some studios just cancel their lease and take that on the chin and then look at reopening their studio when this is all said and done and going virtual until then. So um, before mm-hmm. monetization, I think people are afraid of numbers, but the numbers just never lie. And there's nothing wrong with putting it out on a, on a big, big whiteboard to see how far you can go. Yeah, that's really great. So when you say numbers, you're talking about really understanding what the ROI is. So what the total investment expenses are, how much potential revenue you could make at like, uh, let's assume maximum capacity is, you know, at 50%, at 25%, at 10% and understand what your break even is. Yeah. yeah that's, and, that's know, really great advice. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's controllables out here that are going to be controlled by the government and there's going to be uncontrollables that, uh, are how this virus goes and what phase we go in and out of. And if you did a big spreadsheet of knowing what the phases are, because you start to learn what the phases are and you know what's coming next. And if you know that at maximum you had 40 people in a studio and you can now only have 20, uh, there's gotta be a shift to in two ways. One, does the membership model work for an unlimited pass if people can't get into classes, if you can only get 20? So then people start to have to think about what is our drop-ins, if it's only going to be a drop-in model, pay per use. Uh, and if that's the case, what do you have to charge to then make sure you're making money um, at this capacity and then grow it with the phases? And again, if it just doesn't make any sense, landlords, you know, nobody's, people are uh, scared of landlords. These landlords aren't going to have new tenants. You could break your lease, go away potentially, I don't want to advise everybody to go out there and break your lease. You could break your lease. And in six months, when this is a little bit more of a warm climate to be welcoming people back in, they wouldn't have replaced the tenant. Nobody's taking on new tenants right now. And when you break that lease and then go back, you're going to get a better rate. Like I don't really think landlords are in control. They're pushing their weight around right now, but I, I really don't see them in a, in a position of of power because at the end of it, they know, like I own a house in Toronto, like I'll take anybody. Like I'm not running, uh, you know, referrals, like checking jobs, whatever, like give me a tenant is the big thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. And and also that the, the environments are different everywhere. I'll say like it also is state by state and uh, here in Canada, province, province by province, it's, it's really interesting to see sort of the different um, mindset that shifts from, from one spectrum to the other. You know, what I'm really hearing you say is, uh, I mean, really clearly in, in your two points is number one, know your numbers, which is valuable in any business. And I'll say, you know, that's probably one of the things that, um, at Power You Canada, my business partner and I, 
know. We know what our average daily net revenue needs to be. We also understand where we want to be. So all of our goals and objectives. So I love that. Number one, know your, know your numbers. And then what I'm also hearing you say, number two is um, create your plan and work the plan. And yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's negotiating skills that you aren't going to have in your tool belt in this moment. And you're going to learn them really quick when you challenge yourself to be the person negotiating with the landlord. Everybody has always felt that the landlord is in control. I don't want to call them the bully, but they have been in control and they could legally take action on you if you broke something, whatever. The reality is, is no landlord, I don't think, is truly going to chase down in this climate somebody who broke a lease. They're going to scramble to find a new tenant and not spend the money. Like, what are you going to do? What judge is going to say in this climate, this person is responsible for this amount of money? I really don't think that would be the case. And, you know, I wouldn't, I, you know, hate to be throwing that advice out there, but, you know, be in a position of power you know, pay half of your rent. What are they going to do? Like, they would be so grateful. They say they won't be. But if my tenant came to me and offered me half rent, I like, I would just take it and be like, well, how long is this going to last? And you really have to, especially in commercial real estate, there's no, there's nobody coming into that right now. Right. In Canada, there was actually a government program that was created where um, if you applied for this program, you would only have to pay for 25% of your rent. And that was for the months of April, May, June, July, and August. And so, in fact, I just wrote the check for Oakville, uh, one of our studios here in, in Toronto area. And so it was, you know, a saving grace, I'll say. It saved us tens of thousands of dollars to be able to do that and participate in that program. Do you know of any other grants that have been made available for small, medium-sized businesses? This is a, a great point. And again, anybody could be listening to this call. You could be from the States, you could be from the UK, Canada, it's province by province. It is very hard to nail down, but it's been a part of my umbrella that I've realized there's such a need for assistance getting grants and understanding the money out there and understanding whether you um, uh, are applicable, whether it applies to you and with the government changing, like for those that are listening in Canada, there was a $40,000 loan available immediately, 0%, uh, not payable until the end of 20, not payback until 2021 and 25% of it, $10,000 was going to be forgivable if you had $20,000 worth of payroll. So everybody that didn't have $20,000 worth of payroll was like, oh, shucks. Three months later, they changed that and added another um, avenue that if you had $40,000 worth of expenses in 2020, you now were, that, that $10,000 forgivable was applicable. So if you're listening to this call and you're Canadian, you have until the end of the month, and I suggest go and get that money. And money right now is really low uh, interest rates, whether you're US or Canada, Canada zero from the government. However, what's the worst thing that happens? You get that loan by the end of this month and then you give it back at 0% and $40,000 if you don't use it. Best case scenario, you get $10,000 free. The other, um, speaking to other grants, provincially, Nova Scotia offered a $1,500 uh, stipend to businesses to hire a consultant to help them with their reopening. Not every province did that. 
but you have to really look at the provincial level of what your government is offering because federal government versus provincial is different and that's the same in federal in the u.s by state it's different and there's also a lot of grants out there that existed before covid that people never took advantage of and i think in the fitness industry a lot of us think in the contract contractual uh, world where people were generally under contract and not employee however there's a lot of money in canada uh, specifically for training your staff and we think oh well i gotta send my staff off to university for college or a community college program these training grants you can get uh, 10 to 40,000, 50,000 dollars to train your staff. And if you're a studio, that could be training on MindBody, hiring even somebody like myself to offering your staff. And the government funds these uh, programs. And I think it's overwhelming as a small business owner to try to wear these many hats. And there's always that fear well, what if I get the money and then they take it away? Um, and there's quite a few people, I'm not even speaking for myself, that provincially manage these grants for you and yeah maybe you have to give them two to three percent of it but to know that these options are available to you and also how to pivot your business to take advantage of the current situation before the climate was but it was contractual what does it look like now to have employees to then get the benefits from the government like we're seeing like what was it in canada they were paying up to 75 percent of your payroll you know, that's correct under CWS. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, you know, lots of programs out there and it just the weight of the world. It's, it's tough and never be shy. There's lots of consultants. There's lots of people that manage these things for you at a small cut. And who cares what you're even paying them to know that that's available to you and you might have to shift your business. They help you shift your business to be able to get the funds to help you grow your business. I love that. I mean, I think it's so important to just constantly be in the know and to and to really follow um, the information because I know for our U.S. friends here, there was the payroll protection plan, which is the PPP, um, and that's you know currently coming to an end. However, there's Congress is in talks right now about extending that so for the second wave. So I think you know to Chesley's point, it's really important for you to stay. Um, I'm going to say awake and to stay in the learning and to stay in the reading because it's so easy for us to um, fall into the fear and I know to not pay attention, but there really is some amazing programs like the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy Program has accounted for um, covering our employees. And I think had we had more employees on staff, then we would have um, benefited more from this program. I mean, Chesley, maybe you can speak to, you know, what are some of the, the key quick things that you've seen people get caught in that they could shift if we were to experience a second wave? Um, I think that the, the second wave catch are the people that believe that just did virtual just for right now, as though it was a, a sliding moment in time they're never have to touch on again and they're like i'm just going to take on this little bit of virtual i'm going to half asset if i could say that and then they didn't they, they spent all that time to half asset and when they could have fully prepared themselves which i don't think there's any question especially in this industry that virtual is here to stay and a lot of people are loving it not everybody 
And if you can find a way to learn these tools and even use the grants to help teach you these tools. And if you're out there and you're not a business owner and you're an employee position, start to think about learning those grants, even from your own perspective, where you can go to employers and say, I want to learn this skill for your business and it will be funded by the government. You know, there's a huge amount of capacity for the individual to help businesses through these grants. Uh, and, but I would say the second wave caught uh, catch is going to be those that um, thought that this was a blip on the map and that they weren't going to have to do um, live streaming video on demand for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think that's so important to, to say. It's like that there's really the opportunity to be in that multi-facet um, piece. But the live streaming, Chesley, like, do you have any advice? Like, how can one successfully live stream? Like, what's, what's the nuts and bolts about it? Well, I mean, we just saw Lululemon purchase for a ridiculous amount of money. They bought Mirror, which is a competitor to Peloton. And I think the piece that a lot of people are missing is that, yes, there's no question. You will never be able to compete with $20 a month for a live stream. I, unless you're that global company, Peloton or Mirror, I really don't see the individual studios being able to break that price point. So if you can't break it, don't bother because you, the studio owner currently have a community that are connected to your teachers. Do not be shy to charge the value of what they're worth. I have seen quite a few people try to compete at a price point that's not sustainable. So if it's not sustainable, why are you bothering charging that price? It's like, you know, you want to monetize things, but this goes back to the first point, do the analytics first. And if you haven't done the analytics to know what price to charge, then you've really done yourself a disservice. And um, I don't remember the, the question directly. Uh, however, what I think everybody needs to do is charge what they're worth to a certain degree and make it uh, overlap with your in-person because people are attached to these instructors and they're willing to pay and you just got to give them the opportunity to pay the price of what it's worth. Yeah, no, I love that. And, but so like my specific question, like, so let's say we were willing to do it. So one of the challenges that we're having with Power Your Canada is what's the actual equipment that I use? Right. You know, and that was your question. I'm, I'm yeah. in a hot yoga studio and I'm having a heck of a time determining, you know, what's the actual equipment that I use? And then for anyone who's in a different line of business, like if I'm looking to live stream and, or, you know, go on to a YouTube channel or go into a, you know, on-demand program, what's the equipment that I actually need? And how do I make that happen? Because it looks so easy when I see people with their YouTube channels. And then when I go into the logistics, I mean, I think we've spent hours just doing like a two minute promo video. Yeah. So my advice right now is tread lightly because there is this huge um, vacuum of everybody getting into the game. So you have seen Zoom's uh, capacity and everything that they're doing change dramatically month by month. Mind bodies um, having to push out their live stream and video on demand come out really quickly and the tools that you're going to use, it's a, you have to really consider when you go and decide what platform you're going to use, what equipment you're going to use. That also involves the time of training yourself, the cost of it, 
training your staff, and then training your clientele to understand how that software works within your business. And let me tell you, lots of consumers get frustrated when you change that game on them. If the login page is different, if they're used to clicking on this and now you switched over to this other live streaming platform and it's a different interface, people will just give up. Like, let me tell you the, I don't want to put an age on anybody at a, but at a certain age range of people, when technology doesn't work, like my mom at her age, she just walks away and Me, it's over. At 40. She, yeah, right? <laughs> right? And I would say tread lightly, do not overinvest in this moment because uh, to Pauline's book, uh, his heavy point is a change is already here. However, technology takes a while for the kinks to, to line out. And whether it be Vimeo, Zoom, or MindBody's live stream uh, ability, uh, they're both six months away from what I consider stabilized, stabilizing what they're offering. Because MindBody, uh, there's no secret that out of the gate, because they had to rush their product, it's been tough. However, I would like to say hold out because of what their intention is in the industry. When they nail that product, it will be um, the, one of the stronger options, uh, but just not right now. So, you know, if you want to invest all that time with your staff and the equipment down the zoom road, when there's mm -hmm. going to be another option, you know, who knows when that's the tough part about this right now is it's almost like a, you got to play the game and the right equipment to use. I, I don't really know that there is any right now because nothing is set up to like zoom doesn't offer, uh, unlike in a video, a package that works best with this type of internet. You know, there's right. there's quality of internet, there's quality of your uh, consumer's internet, and, you know, login problems, you know, has your cache cleared on this platform? What uh, streaming device are you using? There's a lot of technology to catch up to, and my advice is just to don't get too excited, don't give up, but also, um, you know, two feet in, or sorry, one foot in would be my advice right now. Don't, don't uh, jump. I love that. You know, it's so interesting when we um, when we expand in our studios and when we do studio build outs, our primary thing that we tell people is don't over invest in the aesthetics. And, you know, so I love what you're sharing here um, and, and just being reasonable and not dumping in an extensive amount of money for something that you're sort of testing out the waters. So I appreciate that feedback. You know, the, the three things that I'm really getting here from your um, your contribution, Chesley, or I shared with, with everyone earlier is know your numbers. Number two was create the plan and then work the plan. And, you know, for us with Pario Canada, it's even been creating the plan for um, a standard operating procedure of how we're going to run the protocols with the studio so that everyone is very clear on the logistics, you know, with PPE, with personal protective equipment, and then also with everything happening with COVID-19 in the in the pandemic, but then more so, I would say that's a consistent uh, plan, working the plan, even with the guest experience. So that's, you know, one, two, three. The third one being communication is what I'm really hearing from you. Know how to communicate with your guests and then over communicate and then don't change the communication, like be consistent. Yeah. And you're going to start to see that in the, the wait list. Like the, the wait list was never, you know, it was always an option in the software for its capability with MindBody and most uh, booking softwares was this use of the wait list. And a lot of studios kind of uh, crutched their way along with an 
okay website and okay booking platform and not using the software to its full capacity um, because there was such an in-person experience. Somebody walks in and there's always enough space. And if there isn't, we'll jam down a mat or let them uh, practice in the lobby. And there was so much to that, but now you, you don't have the capacity. And imagine if somebody showed up and they couldn't get in. And now you're seeing this um, uh, studios and many other businesses. I could even see the restaurant business starting to shift where you have to have a reservation. And if you cancel that reservation, mm -hmm. you're gonna get a late cancel fee. And you're gonna have to pay for that spot that you gave up last minute because they're not gonna be able to, to run a business on people not showing up for reservations. And same thing with studios is shifting your procedures to everybody having to um, sign in online in advance, but also manipulating, not just having a wait list, but manipulating the way your wait list works. So it creates a really good experience. You know, you could have a wait list of, say you have 20 okay. spots, you could set up your software to take 20 people on wait list. What does that do to the consumer that is always the 15th person on wait list? They're never going to, like, let's not say never, very unlikely that they're ever going to get in. So then their experience is like, well, I waitlist every class and I've never gotten in. So then you have to shift that there's only, you know, if the average cancellation, you have to watch your numbers, again, analytics, analytics, analytics. If the number of people that are on average right, dropping your numbers is only five, then the number of waitlisted spots should be maybe six to eight. And, you know, you really have to consider that those numbers and your booking flat platform are responsible for your consumer experience and how people show up. And there is something when you're a consumer and you do get into that class while you were waitlisted, there is that piece of excitement. And you want to generate that so that the experience is, well, I waitlisted and I got in versus I waitlist every time and I never get in. And there's other in the software as well that are text confirmations now that you can set up your software to send out an email that automatically puts somebody into the class. You can also, within MindBody and many other platforms, it will send out a text message that says, you got in, do you want this class? Respond Y if you want it or N if you don't. And if they say N, it takes them out and then offers it the next spot. Whereas if you don't have that setting turned on, that person gets pushed in and maybe they still don't show up. So then you had somebody who was pushed from the waitlist into the class and never showed up, which then left somebody else on the waitlist that would have taken the class. And I think managing your online booking system with appropriate waitlist um, numbers and waitlist settings, there's so different settings in that. And I would have to say to anybody listening, um, please hire a consultant to understand the settings with waitlisting because it could be a game changer in the amount of homework or sorry, how much day-to-day -day work you have to do and the experience for your consumer. Uh, well, I feel like we're, we just might have to hire you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause that's definitely been a game changer. I'll say um, even just the, the dollar amount in which we're charging. So traditionally we never used to charge for any type of cancellation. And now what we're doing is we're charging for um, any no-shows. And we're doing so out of sheer necessity, to your point around the restaurant earlier. If someone's not going to show up, we want to be able to still maintain our profit margin because, quite frankly, we have to. We have no choice until, like, we just really have to be very, very careful about that. And so 
know, I really love what you're sharing here around the waitlist and really understanding the platform that you've already paid for and understanding the, the tools and the tricks in which you can manipulate and maneuver so that it works for your current business environment. You know, Chesley, I just want to be really cognizant of time here and I want to be able to open up for questions, but for our listeners, you know, I just want to summarize again, know your numbers first and foremost, understand what your break-even point is, um, and also know your numbers in terms of where do you want to be from a profit profitability perspective. Number two, create the plan and then work the plan and don't deviate from the plan. I think that's really great advice, Chesley, because it's so easy to be distracted and to work on the next thing. I know for myself, that's something that I, um, I, you know, I'm constantly looking at the squirrels walking around versus staying focused on the plan, you know, not being distracted by squirrel. And then the last thing was communication. You know, so, you know, I really want to just stress those three key components because um, what you're sharing here has definitely been a game changer for, for us at Power Yoga Canada. But I know there's a, a whole bunch of people on this call and I think, you know, the ways in which you can um, ask your question are twofold. One, you can utilize the chat box below and you can ask your question directly to Chesley or to the group or to myself simply by either selecting my name or Chesley's name or typing it to everyone. And then the other way that you can ask a question is quite simply unmute yourself. And we would love to hear from you actually, if you're willing to um, unmute yourself and give us the question. But right now I'd like to open it up to any questions. Nothing coming yet. If I was to um, start to try to trigger, a, oh no! Uh, if I was to try to trigger a thought, I think what I have experienced in myself is also. I think for myself, I did this. I sat back and was well. Let's just see in a couple months what happens with COVID, and then I will make my adjustments. And then two months went by. And now I'm two more months down the road. And I think one of the biggest uh, tools that I have now started to realize is that I, I needed to do this yesterday. I got to stop waiting to see how the world levels out. It's going to be like this and for no, who knows how long. And when you start to make changes immediately, it's, it's small adjustments. And if when you get to, when I've gotten too far behind, then I have like tripled my load if I had started making the changes, like the sooner I start making the changes, when the other changes happen, it's just changing and turning the dial a little bit on what needs to happen for my business, as opposed to even just those two months, I set myself up for a lot more work than I should have. And if I would just encourage anybody is if you're waiting, uh, just don't just jump in failure. I mean, that's been the biggest ad advantage of my business is I actually have been loving failing and learning through you know those quick torturous moments to just grow your business so quickly hey chess i have a question yes miss so jen first i want to say it's so amazing to see you and pauline and hear your voices so this is a great benefit i love it and thank you for offering this tonight so um something that i'm working on and i know you both know um my also business partner steve procknell 
And he and I have been working together for the last couple of years. We've been doing corporate talks, um, not specifically related necessarily to yoga, but doing more on like habit building, mindfulness, wellness, a little bit more general, and then obviously applying some of the philosophy and message of yoga, um, but taking it to a different audience. So we've also been really pivoting to do online um, seminars and then also yoga classes and live meditation. And something that we are constantly questioning ourselves because we're really new in this space and we're just totally figuring it out as we go is pricing. So I was wondering if either of you have any thoughts about that at all. And cause I feel like he and I are just, I don't know, we're just kind of spitballing it ongoing. And we also are very conscious of monetizing and, and growing. And we don't want to just be constantly hustling for like little bits and pieces here and there. So open to any thoughts you have on that. And uh, for clarity, you are talking about pricing for um, commercial money. So getting businesses to pay you to come to run workshops one time reoccurring. Or could be either. Yes, could be, could be either. We've had inquiries on, on both, really. Could be either. Uh, my process of being in sales my whole life before I even got to yoga is one of my strongest attributes that I like about myself is I just love a good sale and I love a good close. And in the space that you're in, the most important question before you get to your pricing is to understand the budget of the business and getting comfortable asking that question in your um, initial pitch to understand what it is. Because if they don't, if the initial conversation in that situation is you're having a conversation with a, with a business that is not probably never hired something like this before, you know, it's a little bit of a unique package and you're going to need to have them describe what it is that they want. And you're taking down all these notes while that process is happening and they don't expect you, you're going to be like, well, I'm going to need a few days to work on this. Working on your skill of getting the answer of what their budget is in the middle of that conversation when it comes to business. So that's B2B sales, B2C sales. That's somebody's hard earned dollars that they know that they're clutched to. When you are talking to somebody's business, they have been given a budget to use. And if you fit within their budget, they do not care what the cost is because they've been tasked with spending that money to get this program to happen. And there, there's some, uh, that's a, like a lot deeper question, but working in the ability to get out of them what their budget is, because this, the same program you run in that um, aspect, uh, one business's budget could be a thousand, the next company could be 10. Mm -hmm. And Pauline, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, because you're certainly in that space. No, I mean, I love what you're sharing here, Jen. I would definitely, um, and first of all, like Chesley, it's so great to see you. Thank you. Um, oh my gosh, I miss you so much. And uh, I definitely understanding people's budgets. And you know, I would really invite you and Steve to look at where can you create something that can be available on demand for your corporate clients? Like, even in this space where we're talking about the studio, like, so the live programming, whether it's, you know, online or not, Great, that's one service offering. But where can you diversify your bucket and your portfolio by having this existing content that just lives on the web? It's interesting, you know, I was just on a call with um, a consultant and he um, built the Center of Excellence. So it's the university training program inside of Boeing. And for those of you that don't know, Boeing is um, a large aerospace developer. 
you know, actually originated here in Canada and Montreal. Um, and he said, Pauline, I've never been busier. And, you know, I think it's just really important for you to look at where, where can you ask for what you're worth and also understand that it'll be different from company. Did we just lose Pauline and is everybody else still on this call? I think so. She's frozen for me too. Yeah. Everybody else is still here. Does, um, did you have any second layer questions to that question, Jen? That's really helpful. No, that's helpful. And I feel like, yeah, we're, we are in the space of dealing with a lot of different businesses. Sometimes we're dealing with even a not-for-profit or like some type of community organization. And also looking at dealing with them with a bank or a, large, or a tech company, something. So I think your point is really well taken. And something that is, is hard is I feel like sometimes it gets into this dance where they're like pushing back, like, well, what do you cost? Like the first, it's always, what do you cost? And yeah. they're a little, um, they're a little like cagey about really offering yeah. that. Yeah. That budget number as much as I want to know. And don't, and don't hesitate on not telling them. Like if they ask if the answer might not be, well, I don't know. I need to know what it is that you need before I can give you a price. And Certainly for as far as cost goes, you know, if you look at most of the people on this call are Baptiste people, if you look at the value of that 40 days uh, book that ba Baron put out, and this will be a tool of, you know, Pauline's book that's coming out with a pivot book. I mean, Pauline will speak more to it, but it's going to be a, a, like a workshop book to my understanding. And imagine that as a tool for you and Steve is that a lot of this work can be in your pocket where you're envisioning having to do a lot of work for a lot of different clients where, you know, that 40 days book has worked for me 10 times over. I could do the 40 days program again tomorrow and it would bring up something new for me. And same thing with Pauline's book. I'll let her speak to it, but I believe it's going to be a workshop book and it will work through in different scenarios. And that's the way she's designed it. So now that Pauline's back on the call, um, we were just uh, speaking, uh, Pauline, while you just uh, had to step off or just disconnected for a second. Was like <laughs> how just speak, just speak to your book a little bit and, the, and how it's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to close off, Jen, I hope you were getting the fact that I was trying to share. Um, I agree with Chesley in knowing the budget for your customer and then yeah. also inviting you to create a, an on-demand, um, also really like a membership platform. If you think about your studio models and you traditionally understand the studio models, where can you create that for corporate? But um, I mean, to Chesley's point, the pivot book is really just like that. It is a five week program. It is a, a workshop where we're really looking at five elements. So the framework is around perspective, intuition, vision, obstacles, and tactics. And really looking at those are the five steps that I'm, that I've used in my life as I've pivoted. I mean, even in this call, uh, for, I don't know if you guys noticed, but my background's changed a couple of times because, you know, I'm committed to a run club. And so Thursdays is run club night. And, and though I'm also committed to growing this pivot community, I'm also committed to supporting Chesley. Like, you know, part of my personal mission is really to see entrepreneurs thrive. And that's what we are talking about here. And, and really that's the framework around the workbook with, um, with pivot. And so, you know, it's really beautiful actually, Jen, in terms of understanding the pricing, it's like, know the numbers. Like, just like what Chesley said, know the numbers, 
create the plan with with your business partner and with the client be in communication where you're creating this customized plan with the client and you know in traditional layman's ter or traditional corporate terms is the statement of work so you're together creating the statement of work and then you're saying you know mr customer mrs customer does this work for you you know and we're going to charge you x dollars Mm -hmm. And then you're going to, and that's the communication piece. So, you know, really, Chelsea, I think you've just uh, developed a formula for how everyone can systematically, it's a three-step dance move for how to run your business. I love it. Jen, did, did we cover your question? Yes, definitely. Thank you both. Definitely. I love it. Thank you for the question. You're welcome. Who else? Any other questions? I know, Nick, you had uh, utilized Chesley as a resource in, in really understanding all of the different brand bot um, capabilities and communication. What did you find? Yeah, what did you find most useful in like working with Chesley through his with his consulting programs? We, um, we went over the most important aspect of BrandBot, the auto campaign feature. And, you know, I, we spent 20 minutes filming a video that I could, I've gone back to a couple times now just to go over that specific process and lay it out in different ways in order to, to get those auto campaigns going. So that's been extremely helpful. I was actually going to reach out really soon to, to ask you for another quick favor. So <laughs> I may uh, maybe share yeah. a message tomorrow. And for those that don't know what BrandBot is, so you have your MindBody, your core software that runs your business, and it doesn't necessarily do everything. And BrandBot is something that you have to pay extra for, but the amount of tools that it gives you in automation and um, freeing up your time and very specific data-driven decisions for your business are, there is no cost that I don't think you could put beside it because for a human there's so many automated tools up there that if you aren't using some sort of automation for your business right now, you've really kind of missed um, some of the opportunities out there and what BrandBot does. And now we're really seeing the need to specifically speak to each client specifically to who they are. And what I mean by that is before and in the model of a, of a yoga studio, somebody would come in on the intro special and then, you know, with a week left, they would get pushed into trying to sign up for the unlimited auto membership. Well, that never took into account that somebody on the intro special only attended two times. So two times a month, your auto pay is say $100 a month. What person is going to justify $50 a class? It's just not going to happen. And what BrandBot and some of these automation tools do is you create rules. If somebody buys the intro special and visits less than three times, then they get a promotion to buy in on the five class pack. And somebody who made it more than six times, they get a special on the monthly unlimited. And these are the tools that businesses need to really jump to. That's the part that already need to jump to feed in is data driven decisions that don't require any management that don't require anybody to step in. These are rules that are set that when that client meets that rule, it, it sends out the message. And what BrandBot's really powerful at that you'll hear a lot about text um software out there brandbot is a two-way text software um, and what i mean by that is a lot of softwares is just a one-way text you can send out the information and they can't respond to it or if they do you don't get it 
And BrandBot, mm -hmm. it's a two-way texting platform where if they have a question based on the promotion you sent them, you get that message in your app and you can respond uh, from there, which isn't your personal number. No, I love it. It's such a great tool. It's even like to speak about technology. You know, what you were sharing with us earlier is really understanding what is the capabilities of the technology and, and not making it complicated, but making it really user friendly and simple. Yeah. No, I love and that. the next um, rollout, you know, you've seen enough. Um, what's a likable term? Uh, people that are anti 5G technology. Um, but again, that technology is here. And what that's here to solve is to make mobile experiences on websites way quicker. And so mm -hmm. where there may have been in the last six months, this everybody's online and there's congestion and speeds are really slowing down and causing this crash that within the next six months, 5G, whether you like it or not, is here. And that is going to give the consumer a much more streamlined experience. If you don't take the time right now to fix your website, to be as good as Amazon, and I've said this to Pauline and many of my clients, if you can't hand your uh, a mobile phone to a 45 year old laying in bed to buy something from your website different than if they were in person, then you've again, really missed an opportunity. People are at home laying in bed buying from Amazon because it's the most simple experience. And with 5G, your website will, should be operating at that speed and give those tools to your consumers. Really streamlined website experience for two reasons. One, everybody's on their phone, in home, uh, in bed doing it anyway. Two, with COVID, you don't really get that opportunity for that in-person sale. And you're going to need to make sure your website acts fast and just gives them the opportunity to buy. I love it. You're crossing into my controversial opinions and I'll leave my political opinions out of here. <laughs> But I love it. Well, yeah. you know, hey, hey, Chesley, I just want to thank you so much and everyone here for joining. You know, really, this is the kickoff of Pivot Talks with PC. And next week, we're going to be talking with uh, Maggie from Blue Boho. And Blue Boho is a jewelry store here in the greater Toronto area. And she's got multiple locations. And, you know, when COVID-19 hit, she had to shut her shops down. And this is her baby. This is her business, her legacy business that she had been building for the last 10 years. Um, and so she'll really talk about how she's shifted and, and pivoted here. But if you got any value out of this call, out of this podcast, because um, that's exactly what this will be for those of you that are joining us live, um, please reach out to Chesley, reach out to myself. If you have any questions that come up, because what we want to do is we're, you know, I'm sort of speaking for you, Chesley, as well, but we're committed to, to knocking down all of the barriers, like really being ninjas and supporting the small and medium-sized business community so that collectively we can strive to thrive. Because for me, it's no longer about survival. It's about how do you thrive with flow, with ease, and how do you utilize the network that's around you? And for me, that network right here is with yoga. And, you know, independently, we all have these skill sets. And it's not until we actually come together as community that we can thrive and succeed together as team, regardless as to whether we're in the same industry, regardless as to whether our businesses are next door to each other. Imagine what this world would look like if together we pivoted, if together we came together, 
you know, Margaret Mead has that beautiful quote, never doubt what a small group of committed citizens can do to change the world, because in fact, it's the only thing that ever has. So, you know, Chesley, the most gratitude, you know, for who you've been for me, for Pauline, but who you've been for Power Yoga Canada. And I'm really excited for the future that we're creating together. Yeah, I love that I was the, the first call. It was, it's been so wonderful to see the new team at PYC. You know, when I left five years ago, I wasn't sure who was where, but to work with the people that are involved now and to see that the core values still exist uh, through them and just the way that the business operates, it's, it's wonderful. I love that community. I can't believe how lucky I was to walk into that studio for many years ago. And it's really been a big piece of who I am and has drawn me to all the work that I do. And I was just really happy to be able to reach back out to you and, and do this together. I love it. You know, just before we head out, there's one quick question here in the chat. Um, and it's, you know, hi guys, I, I was so super fortunate to take the practice outside on my set boards and it's been amazing. Everyone is selling out on all outdoor activities, equipment. I'm thinking of expanding for next year and investing in more boards. Do you think this will fizzle out next summer? without COVID or should you move forward and hope it continues to thrive? Chesley, I don't know if you want to take that question on before we head out. That's a tough Isabel. Um, thanks for tossing that in there, hard one at the end. Um, I would have to say that outdoor experiences are, now that we're, you know, it was kind of like everybody was like, man, I really wish I could work from home. And, you know, only three or four months of it. And people were like, I really wish I could go back to the office because people are realizing how they much they really needed these experiences of community and, you know, outdoor experiences are really, I think, going to be a big thing that people aren't going to take for granted. And I mean, my wish is, is, I mean, obviously as a runner of camp yoga, I see what happens to people in three days when they come to camp yoga and Isabel, you know that as well. And, uh, you know, when they go back home, their routine has been, you know, they come for three days and they're in love with it. And then they go back to the routine and they forget it. Not everybody, but lots. And I think what COVID is doing is really shining light on that this outdoor connectivity, getting out of your house and not sitting around and just doing Netflix um, is going to be around. So if I was to wager a guess, the reason not only to invest in more equipment is because a lot of other people that were running businesses that were breaking even are going to disappear and you're going to have more opportunity because of the other people that didn't pivot that just kind of got lost in the mess. Mm -hmm. And I can speak, Isabel's experience on the SUP board is unbelievable. I was fortunate to be up there with my family. And so, yeah, double down is double down. Awesome. Yeah. And also like, Supboards and a lot of this equipment, it's, you know, as you're seeing, it's out of stock in a lot of places. And, you know, if you're buying SUP and your numbers don't work out, and if you run the numbers and you start to analyze what the costs are, that at a certain point, if it does become break even, a lot of that SUP, SUP equipment can be resold and you can get your money back. So if you even did take out, a, um, you know, a, a loan on some equipment to see if it would work, it's not like people aren't buying supboards. Oh, I love that. Know your numbers, yeah. write your plan, know work the, the plan, and then communicate the crap out of it. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for everyone's time. And thank you, of course, Chesley. And please follow him. Your website is? 
Um, thestudioexpert.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Chesley Long. It's a pretty uh, unique name. Uh, so just Chesley Long, find me online and thestudioexpert.com. And uh, for those listening, I always give a free 30-minute uh, call, whether you are on this call or whatever. If you're a friend, it'll probably turn out into an hour. Um, I have so much time for anybody in this space. So just book it on the website and I'm excited to chat. Perfect. Well, we'll be posting this on Pario Canada and, um, you know, really, Chesley, you've been uh, instrumental in our success at PYC. So thank you again. And uh, if you're, I get the question all the time. How are you doing it at PYC? Talk to this guy, Chesley Long. He'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone. Have the most amazing night. <laughs>